Welcome back to the program, the Bill Michaels Show. We continue on. We are only four days away from opening day. Getting excited. Brewers, only a couple of spring training games left. They head to Chicago, into the Windy City, where it looks like it's going to rain and be nasty and stink. And, uh, well, we'll hopefully see if they get a couple of these games in, and that way they don't have to push anything even further back. In the meantime, the National League Central, what's it going to shape up to be? Most people feel that the Brewers are going to win it. Uh, Maybe Cardinals coming in a close second. And after that, it's a fight for third, fourth, and fifth. Joining us now on the line, our good buddy from Cincinnati, our buddy Mo Egger from ESPN Radio down there. You can follow him on Twitter, at Mo Egger. Mo, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. What's up? Uh, first of all, you're killing me every damn day with the Skyline ads enough because I can't take it. I salivate on my computer. Other than that, uh, what the hell is going on in the Queen City, first of all, with the team? And secondly, that uh, they haven't even sold out opening day yet. Yeah, it's, it's been a strange last couple of weeks, you know, because y- you start with the lockout. And, you know, this this is a town that uh, reacted very, very poorly to the player strike in 1994. Anything that would suggest the season is going to be delayed, anything that would suggest opening day is going to be messed with is not going to be met with uh, a whole lot of enthusiasm. But all right, so there's going to be baseball. We're going to have a full season, right? There's supposed to be excitement. And then pretty much right after the lockout ended, the Reds started trading away players, trading away Sonny Gray, trading away Jesse Winker, uh, trading away a Eugenio Suarez, trading away Amir Garrett. This after right before the lockout, they basically gave away Wade Miley to the Chicago Cubs, and they traded away Tucker Barnhart. They also lose Nick Castellanos in free agency, so that's five former All-Stars and a former Gold Glove catcher who were on the team last year that aren't on the team this season. And so, okay, you go, well, they're rebuilding, right? Well, all they've done since then is sign guys like Colin Moran and Hunter Strickland and Tommy Pham and a bunch of guys who are either 30 or older. And so it's really hard to pinpoint what they're trying to do this season. I think it's it's abundantly obvious if you look at what they're trying to do long term. They're trying to accumulate uh, as much good young starting pitching as possible. While at the same time, I don't think they want to send people to a place where they believe this team is tanking. I wouldn't call what they're doing tanking, although what I think they are doing in a weird way, it might be worse than tanking because I don't necessarily think this is going to work uh, for the purposes of winning this year. And so if you're not going to win this year, then why do you still have Luis Castillo? Why do you still have Tyler Malley? Why haven't you gone on, you know, full-on rebuild? And so I think a lot of Red fans are sort of doing what the team is doing, which is just sort of drifting, kind of wondering uh, what it is exactly the plan is. So, uh, well, I, I guess my next question becomes, and that, that's just it, is you just let some of these contracts that they that they picked up kind of go by the wayside eventually, and then are you in the midst of a rebuild? Are they retooling? Do, you know, or are these reactions to letting a lot of those favorite guys go, and they say, holy crap, we screwed up, our fans are turning on us, so they just throw some Band-Aids out there. What do you think it is? I think it's exactly what you just said. I think to a degree they're making it up as they go along. I think they have been... I think two things have happened. Number one, if you go back to last year, last year's team hung in the race for a while. You know, I remember that series right before the All-Star break. The Reds go to Milwaukee, win three out of four. And we think, okay, you know what? This could be a fun push to the postseason for Cincinnati. And then the Brewers came to town right after the All-Star break and swept them three straight and pretty much extinguished uh, whatever hopes the Reds had of winning the division. But if you go back to last year, people gravitated toward last year's team. 
Nick Castellanos, Jesse Winker, a resurgent Joey Votto. Last year's team, though, was viewed through the lens of ownership didn't give it a chance. Uh, they gave away a couple of key arms in the bullpen and got nothing in return. Rysel Iglesias and Archie Bradley, they didn't go out there and get a shortstop, and there were a bunch of them available. They cut payroll, and they sent last year's team out there to go out there and finish with 83 wins, and the pushback was not against the team. The public pushback for the first time, really since Marge on the team, the pushback came against ownership. Why have they handicapped this team before the season started? So then the offseason begins. The uh, line from management was, we are aligning payroll to match our resources. It wasn't about winning a championship. They shed payroll. They come out of the lockout. They shed more payroll. And there was insane pushback against that that I don't really think they were ready for, that I don't think they were equipped for. And so I think what they've done since is they've sort of tried to, I don't know, recoup some of that goodwill by at least signing players that people have heard of. Uh, looking at this team, it all starts with pitching. They got rid of Sonny Gray. You talked a little bit about that. Uh, so how good are they, or is it a lot of unknown at this point? Well, it's a ton of unknown. I mean, just you start with the starting rotation, right? So Sonny Gray is a former All-Star. They traded him for a 19-year-old who's not going to help the team this year. They tr- gave away Wade Miley. They replaced him effectively with Mike Miner, who's hurt. Don't even know when he's going to pitch. So the biggest strength of this team last year was its starting pitching. Sonny Gray's no longer here. He was a big part of that. Wade Miley's no longer here. He's a big part of that. The guys who have replaced them don't factor to be either factors this year or they're hurt. Again, and Mike Miner said that, okay, saw Luis Castillo. Luis Castillo hasn't thrown a pitch in the Cactus League. Don't know when he's going to be ready. All right, so what else do they have? Well, they have Tyler Malley, who's going to get the ball on opening day. Mm-hmm. But then it's Hunter then it's Hunter Green, and it's Nick Lodolo, and some, you know, high upside guys uh, for the long term. But in the short term, you know, what are they going to give you? Look at their outfield. Last year in the outfield, they had all-stars at the corner position. They don't have Jesse Winker anymore. They don't have Nick Castellanos anymore. And so it's a collection of Nick Sandell and Tommy Pham and, uh, Aristides Aquino is out there, and Tyler Naquin's back, and boy, it's it's hard to argue. So you can't argue they're better in the starting rotation. You can't argue they're better in the. What about the infield? Mike Mustakis hasn't been productive since he got here because he's mainly been hurt. They do have the reigning National League Rookie of the Year at second base in Jonathan India, so you feel pretty good about that. Joey Votto was resurgent last year. That was fun. Joey Votto is going to be 39 by the end of the season. Can you argue they're better in the infield? They might not be significantly worse, I guess, but it's really hard to argue that they're going to be that much better. I think they're going to be a little bit better in the bullpen, mainly because they were just simply atrocious last year. But it's hard to look at any any area of the team and feel like that they're significantly better than they were a year ago. And again, the team we were talking about a year ago, it's not like they won 95 games. They barely finished above 500, and so... It's really hard to find reasons for bona fide optimism when you look at this year's team. And for a fan base that's been waiting for more than a quarter of a century for the Reds to advance in the postseason, that's very, very frustrating. Is Joey Votto, uh, say midseason, is he on the trading block? And I know there was some thought that maybe they might move him and send him back to Toronto to let him play at home before he ends up calling it a career. 
a great question. Number one, Joey Votto would have to say trade me because he's got full no trade protection. So, all right, um, does he want to get dealt? Uh, is he going to okay getting dealt? So start there. Then it's the money. Joey is owed $25 million this year. He's owed $25 million next season. Does the team want to take on that contract? Uh, and I, I think what goes along with, with the answer to that question is, what kind of Joey Votto do we see this year? The spring numbers have been fantastic, and we saw a different type of Joey last year where he finally said, you know what, I'm going to grip it and rip it and try to hit the ball out of the ballpark, but power doesn't age well. And so he's 38 right now. He's going to be 39 by the end of the season. Is last year a little bit of a uh, one-off, late-season one-off, or – uh, is what we saw last season, the beginning of a nice little sort of late career run here where he has value to a team. He has said and done uh, all the right things. He has not publicly made a fuss. He's joined social media for the first time in his life, which has been interesting to watch, and so he certainly doesn't seem like he's disengaged there. But the reality is, as an individual, he's accomplished everything there is to accomplish in this game. And he has talked often about the, the burning desire to win a World Series. That ain't happening here this year, and odds are it's not happening here next season. So uh, I think the question is, what does he prioritize late in his career? Uh, does he want to play his entire career in one city, go down as one of the greatest in the history of the franchise, um, y you know, finish his career as a red, that sort of thing? Maybe. Uh, does he want to go and chase a ring somewhere? I don't think anybody can blame him if the answer is yes, and I think the Toronto Blue Jays would be an ideal destination I think anybody who has attempted to get inside the head of Joey Votto since he got here is uh, being a fool because it's hard to get inside that guy's head. But I do think it's going to be interesting as the season plays out. If this team is not very good and if Joey Votto is still productive, what sort of things happen behind the scenes and how, do, what, how does whatever happens behind the scenes impact uh, where Joey finishes the season and ultimately finishes his career? Uh, I notice when you start talking about closers here, obviously, in Milwaukee, it's Josh Hader. Hands down, there's nobody else. Uh, when you start talking about guys that are, uh, say, closer by committee, means you really don't have one specific guy. When I started to go through the roster, I'm looking at Art Warren and Strickland and Sessa and Wilson. And who's going to be the uh, full-time closer, if any? I think by the time Lucas Sims is healthy, he'll be the guy. But he, like many of his teammates, is not going to start the season on the active roster because he's injured. So I sort of think that's going to be a, a closer-by-committee deal. I could see Luis Sessa getting some opportunities. I could see Hunter Strickland getting some opportunities. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I sort of view that as the least of David Bell's issues right now. He's got to get to the ninth inning with a lead. And I think if he's able to do that, they'll be happy to use whoever is out there. The reality is... You know, if, if T.J. Antone were healthy, he would be the guy. Had Tommy John surgery, so he's not going to pitch this season. Had Amir Garrett stuck on the roster, I think he had a pretty good chance to be the guy. Uh, they traded him away right when camp started. Lucas Sims, I talked about him. I think this is going to be a by-committee thing where they maybe allow somebody to establish themselves as the closer, maybe ahead of somebody else, but... Again, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I think David Bell on a nightly basis is going to be happy to have the lead in the ninth inning and have somebody to try to get those last three outs because I, I sort of feel like wondering who your closer is going to be is sort of a first-world problem. That tells me you're worried this team's going to have the lead in the ninth inning often. I'm not sure I feel that way about this bunch. 
Well, how do you see the National League Central, Central shaping up? I think Milwaukee's going to run away with it, right? I mean, the Pirates are awful. The, the Cubs are not going to be very good. I think the Cardinals are interesting, A, because they're the Cardinals, but it's a new manager um, in Ali Marmol. Offensively last year, even though they had some guys that had some statistically very good seasons, runs were hard to come by for that team. There's not a lot of starting pitching depth. Um, it just feels like for the first time, you know, we've talked about the last couple of seasons, how the National League Central, you can make the case for any one of four teams. I don't know how you make the case for anybody but Milwaukee. They hands down, top to bottom, at least on paper, have the best team in the division. They sort of lapped the field last year. Uh, Chicago didn't get appreciably better. The Reds got worse. The Pirates are still a ways away. And I don't really think, think the Cardinals got appreciably better. And let's face it, that was a team that last year needed to win 17 games in a row just to sneak into the postseason. And then they can their manager for reasons that I'm still not sure I understand. I think it's Milwaukee versus the field, and it feels to me like most people would agree. Mo, always a pleasure. I look forward to more Skyline tweets, and I will join you when I uh, get to town probably in July, okay? We can make that happen. Let's do it. You got it. All right, buddy. Talk to you later. There you go. Our buddy Mo Egger from Cincinnati covers the Cincinnati Reds, ESPN Radio, at Mo, M-O, Egger, E-G-G-E-R, the way it sounds, and a lot of thoughts he feels as somebody who covers baseball, that the Brewers are the team to beat. But uh, since he doesn't have a lot of optimism for Cincinnati at all. Uh, and again, going back to some of the moves that they made, they get rid of some of their high-dollar guys, some of the fan favorites, and all of a sudden they realize that you know their fans have turned on them. So they go out and pick up a couple of guys of name, but uh, the team doesn't look to be any better. If anything, it's worse on paper, and uh, they don't look to be any kind of a contender in the National League Central whatsoever. So uh, thanks to Mo Egger for joining us for a couple of minutes. We'll continue on St. Louis and Chicago and such. We'll uh, continue to take a look around the rest of the National League Central as the week progresses. Uh, but thanks to him for joining us on the hotline. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Cunis RV. Go to CunisRV.com. That is CunisRV.com. Fifth wheel, motorhome, travel trailer, camper van, camper van, whatever it happens to be. They got all the brands. They take trades, high dollar for the trades, and consignments as well. Go to Cunis, K-U-N-E-S, CunisRV.com. That's CunisRV.com. Get a hold of our buddy uh, Tom, Tom Hamill. He's uh, kind of the GM of all. He's like the god of all RVs. Get a hold of Tom. Say, where, where are you at? What, which one are you traveling to? And uh, come and make me a deal. Get a hold of Tom or, or my buddy Scott Remmer down at the, uh, the one in Elkhorn. And uh, ch- touch base with them and check it out. But Because uh, they got a lot of good stuff on their lots right now. Stay tuned. We got a whole lot more of the Bill Michael show still yet to go. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michael show on the Wisconsin sports zone radio network. Welcome back. You can buy more. You can save more. All you have to do is add a patio door. It's that simple. So if you buy three Pella windows, you're going to save $500 if you add a patio door. Buy six, save 1000 Just add a patio door. Buy a dozen, save 2000 When you add a patio door. You get, you get where I'm going with all this? 
Sure you do. In addition, you've got uh, an unbeaten variety, six full lines of windows, whether they're vinyl, impervia, which is kind of like the, the hardest fiberglass. They've got three different types of wood windows, many different types. And the more you buy, the more you save. It's that simple. Right now, going on through the end of the month, uh, you can set up your free, yes, free, F-R-E-E. If it's free, it's for me. Consultation. They'll come to your house. They'll measure two, three, four times. They'll uh, custom, then manufacture, assemble, custom install, clean up after themselves, get it all out of there that day, usually in a day, and get your life on uh, with brand new doors and windows from our friends over there at uh, Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. So check them out. Go to P-E-L-L-A, Pella, P-E-L-L-A-W-I.com. That is PellaWI.com, PellaWI.com, or call them 855-PELLA-WI. That's 855-PELLA-WI, and, uh, and take a look for yourself. Really good stuff from our friends at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. So uh, we did not talk about this last week, but... Ben, did you see that the state of New York is giving the Buffalo Bills $850 million towards the cost of a new stadium? To build a new stadium, Bill, that does not yes. have a roof and is outdoors. Yes. 850 Now, I will say, it was $650 million for that god-awful renovation they did to Soldier Field. So $850 million, not terrible. It does it's look really cool. It's not terrible overall. Uh, it does. And and by the way, if they building a new stadium in Buffalo, they will never put a roof on it. They are traditionalists like uh, Packers fans are. It's not going to happen. Just so we know. But yeah, it's uh, eight hundred and fifty million dollars they're going to give to the Bills. And that stadium will end up going, thinking Jerry World at the time was, what, 1.5? And that new stadium out in Las Vegas. Now, they now a few years ago, Nevada, they gave $750 million to build the Raiders' new stadium. But they were enticing the Raiders to move. They were bringing them from another state where the Bills, they're staying put. They just want to stay in Buffalo. They just need a new stadium. And as Andrew Brandt wrote, NFL owners, they socialize the cost, but privatize the profit. What a business we are in. And the mean elsewhere, by the way, in case you didn't know, it's not just the bills. Um, there's four other NFL markets right now. In the Washington metropolitan area, Virginia, believe it or not, has offered the commanders a billion dollars plus a cut of sales tax revenue to stay while Maryland or to, to come over while Maryland where they currently play is also trying to keep them in the meantime uh, the bombshell that was dropped over the weekend did you see the whole thing about Daniel Snyder and putting together two and three separate sets of books oh yeah we asked if what was more surprised what was less surprising the Dan Snyder news or Jerry Jones and his child that I'm he's just, not accepted it's it drops this past weekend even more that apparently Daniel Snyder, for those that didn't know, Daniel Snyder has different sets of books, or at least allegedly, okay, alleged. He is hiding ticket revenue 
from other NFL teams. Now, the new allegations uh, of financial impropriety, um, I can't imagine with all that's gone on and the House Oversight Committee, which has been, at least they say they still are, investigating the allegations of sexual harassment, has received information alleging that the commanders have been hiding ticket revenue that was supposed to be shared with the other NFL teams. It was reported last Thursday that Congress expanded their investigation into the commander's books. Now, the NFL, as we all know, they require all the teams to pass along 40% of home game net ticket revenue which gives everybody a piece of the pie, and to the visiting teams. One person reportedly gave information to Congress, uh, those that were investigating uh, the commanders, that they've been, uh, that they have not been turning over the 40%. Beyond that, the details of the alleged scheme are somewhat scarce, but it remains unknown how long the scheme would have run or who would have authorized it and the commanders and the NFL. It, and, and to say that who would have authorized it, I'm sure there's a trickle-up effect because if you're telling you – know, if you're a low-level bean counter and you're counting the, the numbers, okay, you've got something going on and you're like, here it is. Somebody above you had to say, no, no, take this and put it here, okay? And then somebody above – because he didn't do this on his own. The owner would have to know. It probably came from the – otherwise, you're not, do, you're not risking your franchise – for, for this. So to say that, well, we don't know if Daniel Snyder knew. He knew. He knew. Beyond that, the details are, like I said, somewhat scarce. Uh, but the commanders in the NFL reportedly made aware of the allegations in recent weeks. And there re, there, there's a disagreement over the handling of the allegations as well. And people are now very outspoken. Congress is is getting involved. Uh, from the Washington Post, quote, the leak of one-sided, unconfirmed, unsupported allegations from a disgruntled ex-employee with an axe to grind is just further proof uh, that the investigation is a waste of time in the Cong from Congress and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Nothing the committee has heard from any credible witness points to any financial improprieties. In fact, the only credible witness in position to know the facts, uh, and this goes back to Republican versus Democrat and all that crap. But we'll see if it actually plays into anything. But you talk about some problems over there. But you've got other teams that are out there right now that are also looking for deals in many different ways. So it's just it's going to be interesting to see what comes of all of this by the time it's all said and done. But uh, but yeah, so you got Tennessee, Tennessee getting five hundred million towards a new facility for the a new stadium for the Titans. How long ago was it that they opened up that stadium? It wasn't that long ago, right? And then you've got, obviously, the Bears. They've got a tentative deal with Chicago and the suburbs uh, offering inducements. Arlington Heights, as they leverage the city of Chicago and the NFL this week, Chiefs President Mark Donovan mentioned being pitched by developers in Kansas City. There's a lot going on in the world of uh, money and football. Packers are building a new parking garage. And the Packers have a parking garage going up that's going to be completely covered. So Aaron Rodgers is is cool. So 1990, when the Tennessee Titans Stadium opened up, what is what 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 is the name of that stadium? Nissan, I believe. Nissan. There you go. 
99. I haven't been to the stadium, but I could see it. it from it's a nice place on Broadway. Yeah, it's a nice place. I've been there twice. It's a nice place. That's what I'm saying. They're talking about now, unless they're talking about a new training facility or something, that's one thing. But a new stadium? Are you kidding me? I, you know, what are you doing with some of these stadiums that are only 20 years old? Well, the idiots in Washington built a stadium where you half of the seats you can't even see. Right. I get them wanting well, a new one because they also leak sewage onto fans. Yeah. Nissan one. It's just that was like the last era of new stadiums before the new stadium. Like the Eagles opened theirs in 2004. And I feel like that right. was the first wave of the new new stadiums. Right. But man, it's it's only twenty something years old. You, you're telling me you can't put upgrades into that? That's crazy. And yet, you still got a place like Lambeau, which is considered by many like a Taj Mahal of stadiums, with a facility having so many suites, jumbotrons, an incredible press box to work out of, all the amenities around the ballpark, and and they continue to do it right. And while you've got all these other craptastic places going up that that oh my god they're they're like I said two hundred and fifty million to renovate Lambo six hundred and fifty seven million to renovate Soldier Field what would you take every damn day of the week twice on Sundays and any other time you'd even consider it you'd take Lambo Field over that dump down there in Chicago without a doubt eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy yeah, like Brett says, hey, look, Atlanta already turned down, uh, tore down Turner Field. I know. That was a travesty. That was a shame they did that. And then they built that place uh, even further out, not even in the city anymore. So, I, yeah, I completely agree. Uh, let's do this. We're going to step away, take a quick break. More of the Bill Michael Show. It's coming up after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. If you're looking for some great service for your vehicle, whether it's brakes, tires, oil change, whatever it happens to be, or maybe you just have some kind of an emergency, you're out on 94 and you're near the Johnson Creek exit, uh, stop in. If you're an over-the-road driver, by all means, stop in there as well. That's our buddy Lyle and a gang at J&L Tire Service, uh, whether it's Goodyear, Dunlop, Kelly, whatever it is, and just you can trust the service. They're just really, really good people, and uh, they that's I mean that's where I take my car. And trust them with, you know, if they call me up and say, hey, this is what's wrong, then that's what's wrong. And uh, I believe in them. So uh, I highly recommend it. Go to jandltire.com, jandltire.com, and and see for yourself. But if you're an over-the-road driver, a truck driver, a soccer mom, doesn't matter, cruising around out there, whatever it happens to be, and you need some service done, whether it's maintenance work or it's, uh, you know, full-blown repair, uh, they can help you out. Good people. Go to jnltire.com. That's jnltire.com. Uh, 877-867-1670. You want to find us, please feel free. Again, 877-867-1670. Hit us up. Um, got a couple of things that I wanted to get to um, coming up. Uh, well, coming up next, we will get uh, into some picks coming up tonight. National title game. 
tonight. A couple more spring training games. Brewers then heading to Chicago. Getting yourself ready, uh, getting us ready for the Masters coming up on Thursday. You're going to get the par three challenge and such. That's going to come up this week, practice rounds. We're going to get into all of that. So looking forward to it. But that's all going to happen. So can't wait. Can't wait. Fired up for all of that. Uh, 877-867-1670. Um, <clears throat> what else do we have here for you? Uh, this is from Mark. He says, go back to coaches you can't stand. What about Wojo at Marquette? Thank, thank God they finally got rid of him. Where did Wojo go? Ben, where did Wojo go? Do you remember? Not off the top of my head. I, I can't remember where he went. Is If he's an assistant somewhere or... He's where he went. He's not right now. He's not anything. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting he didn't catch on anywhere. But he could just be taking a year off because he's getting paid. Getting paid for that. Um, <clears throat> this is from Magoo, who says, I lived in Augusta area for a very long time, and for sure the Masters, as it approaches, the local newspaper devotes a lot of print time to the status of the Azaleas. Okay. <laughs> uh, do you remember last November when all of the Augusta, not golf fanatics, but Augusta fanatics were going crazy that they were going to play in November when all of the, right. when everything was in bloom and all the colors Yep, and it just yep. looks like kind of normal. Yep. Uh, they, they, I get it, but then again, I don't, I really don't care. Driving down Magnolia Lane when the trees are starting to bloom and things are starting to come into, into color and. You know, for everything that Augusta has to offer and how green it is. For most people throughout the United States, you get a chance to see that. For northern states, it's just the sheer hope of spring to come sooner rather than later. That's what the Masters represents to me. That's what I look forward to. Just give me the Masters. Give me some Give me some green grass. Now, it's not like when they do, uh, you know, the... The, the Genesis or when they play at, uh, out in Hawaii or anything like that. Yeah, you know, okay. Because you don't see that in this area. But in this area, you can look at Augusta and you can say, oh, okay. We can see that happening. We can see that happening at Aaron Hills eventually. We can see maybe a little bit of that look uh, over there at Whistling Straits or maybe at Black Wolf Run or something like that. You know, you get a little bit of that hope. But when they're playing in Hawaii, it's just nothing looks like that. There, there's not much like that around here. Come on. Come on. That's the reason I love the Masters. And it's the first major. It's the first major of the year. It just, I don't know, there's something to it. There's a, I, I can't explain. My dad was not a golfer. My dad, uh, I think, played golf maybe five times in his entire life. He was never a golfer. Um, But he loved the Masters. He loved the sport. He loved watching it. He loved the Masters. My dad would much rather watch football. Than anything else, a baseball fan, probably second. But when it came to the mat, when the Masters was on, that's where the TV was for the entire weekend. So even golf casualists will say, love the Masters for so many different reasons. It's just it it just is what it is. Tradition that way, a tradition like no other. So I can make all the puns I, I guess I need, but. Proves the point. 
Um, what else do we have here for you? Got a lot of just little things today. What do we got coming up tomorrow too? By uh, by the way, Ben. Well, I'm working on scheduling, but we may be talking okay. Cubs as well tomorrow. Definitely All right. talking uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Probably Good national stuff. championship game. I don't know. My my eyes are fixed on Golf Channel right now. Tiger Woods yeah. is hitting bunker shots, and it's unbelievable. Is he? Okay. Yeah. By the way, uh, they have announced that Albert Pujols will be in the starting lineup for the St. Louis Cardinals against the Pirates when he begins his final big league season this coming Thursday in what should be an emotional return to Bush Stadium. Marmol, uh, the Cardinals manager, made the announcement today that uh, Pujols would be he's, – he's got a $2.5 million contract. Remember when he signed for all that money out in L.A. with the Angels? He's made a ton of money. Um, he is going to be the designated hitter. You figured he wouldn't be playing first, but he's going to be the DH. Uh, that matches Hank Aaron, Carl Yastrzemski for the mo- second most only behind Pete Rose, who made 23 straight during his career. 23 straight. This is going to be his 22nd consecutive opening day start. Pete Rose made 23. Hank Aaron with 22. Yastrzemski with 22. But Rose leads them all. Boy, back in the day, talk about some of the players that played then. Whew. Holy mackerel. But Pujols, um, he could, by the way, if he had to play first, he could relieve Paul Goldschmidt if he needed to at times this season. It's not like he hasn't played there before. So it could be a little bit of a – it's not going to be a platoon situation at all. He's going to be their DH. But he could find himself a little bit in the field. He's got 679 career home runs. Uh, he had 236 with 17 dingers last year when he split time with the Angels and the Dodgers. So we'll see what he does over in the uh, in the National League, and because he needs 21 dingers to get to 700 in the National League and in the National League Central, where the ball flies. That little bit of that uh, West Coast dry air doesn't fly as well. But they're figuring between Bush, Miller Powell, American Family Field, I keep saying it, Wrigley Field, and uh, Great American Ballpark, he should get a few, more than a few. You hope he doesn't here, but that's what they're kind of thinking. 877-867-1670, hit us up. Let's do this. We're going to step away, take a quick break. We'll come back, grab some phone calls, and then uh, maybe get a little bit of a a, a master's update from our own Ben Kenny, who sees uh, Tiger Woods playing in the sand. Stay tuned. we got more coming up right after this. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Bill Michael Show. We continue on this portion of the program brought to you by our good friends over there at Milwaukee Brewing. MKE Brewing. Did you get down there over the weekend? If you were heading maybe down to the Bucks game this past weekend, stop over, do a little tasting, 
All the different flavors coming out for the summer, MKE Brewing or Bottle House 42. Grab some food. It's only a couple of blocks just uh, uh, just west of the Fiserv Forum right there on 9th Street. And you walk down, go to the Fiserv Forum, enjoy the Bucks game, head back up. Some of the bars in the area up there. Good stuff. Check out our friends at MKE Brewing. MKE Brewing, downtown Milwaukee. And uh, once the weather warms up, keep telling you, don't forget they have that rooftop patio. Beautiful up there. Beautiful stuff. Uh, let's do this. Let's get back to the phone calls and uh, talk to Tim listening to us in Sparta. Tim, how are you doing today, man? What's up? I am doing well, Bill. It sounds like you're doing just fine. I'm doing great today. What's on your mind? Good. Well, about Jordan Love, I think he's Goody's Justin Harrell. Um, I, and it's time to get rid of him. Um, I never saw what anybody saw uh, except a guy that can't throw anybody open but is waiting for the guy to get open to, to go. Uh, otherwise, I think Goody's made some really, really good draft choices. I think he's really good. Um, so let's not hang this albatross around his neck for much longer. Mm-hmm. I want a wide receiver who has shown something against talent, not a wide receiver who's running, who's got speed and is running against lesser talent. So for me, the guy from South Dakota or whatever Dakota, um, maybe a second or third round pick, but certainly mm-hmm. not a first round pick. Uh, right. You know, I, you, you've got to have people that have competed against the best in order to really def- determine their talent i think uh i don't know if i'm wrong there or not but uh it seems to me you've got a better chance of hitting on a draft choice um have you ever been to augusta by the way i've never been no i have always wanted to go i went back in the uh in the 80s i had an uncle that owned a small uh golf course in georgia uh for about 10 years and he was able to get tickets back in the day uh, through brokers, and so I got to go, and that is a hilly course. People don't understand the elevation changes because um, you don't get a you don't get to see it all. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you typically get to see the back nine, where you know you come down from uh, on ten down to the creek, and then through sixteen is basically you know you go down one hill on fifteen. Um, and then back up again for 1780. Right. Uh, but it's a, it's a beautiful course. Been there once I would give my left arm to go play that thing, but that will never oh, yeah. ever happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so it is few and far between. They get to walk through those gates. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. Yeah. It's few and far between for those that actually get a chance to go play there. I would, uh, I've known some people that are absolutely uh, big names and avid golfers that have been denied access to go play Augusta. It, it's where everybody wants to go. And they, it, you really, really got to know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody to get in there uh, to be able to go play that. And if you've ever had the opportunity, kudos to you. That is a, that is a bucket list, once-in-a-lifetime type thing. Um, uh, that, is, that is wonderful if you did. And uh, I'm, I'd, I'd be thrilled for you because I've always wanted to do it and have never been able to. There was like one or two times um, down there when a really good friend of mine who is really well connected had a chance to go play it. And he, he called me and he said, hey, uh, you know, we're going to go play this. They would not allow him any guests. You are invited and you alone. No one else. 
And, you know, if you continue to tell people you're coming here, we will not allow you in. That type of thing. So I did not get to go. I thought I was going to, and I didn't. 877-867-1670. Another buddy of mine said, hey, don't forget about Christian Watson. He's done some really good things at North Dakota State for the Bison. Um, Much like we just heard, I, I... Watson really gained a claim at the Senior Bowl. That's where he really started to get recognition. And while that's great, but Montrevious Adams did too. He was supposed to be the next Warren Sapp. These guys that have a great showing at the Senior Bowl in front of coaches, you can raise an eyebrow, but don't fall in love with a guy at the Senior Bowl. Fall in love with a guy that's had one, two, three years, four years of consistency in his league, playing football, where you've seen film consistently of him doing these great things. Otherwise, you're getting, it's what I call a polished herd. And I don't mean to make it sound so derogatory, but when you go to the Senior Bowl, when you go to the Combine, you are cleaned up, you are polished, you are shined up, you are taught what to say and what to do just to respond to coaches' questions. But I've always said, go. the film doesn't lie. Go back to the film. Go back and watch these guys perform and see what happens. You, you, may, find a, you may find a guy that nobody heard of. He may end up being a dime. Now, the Senior Bowl, maybe it opens your eyes to where you go back and look at the film and say, hey, this guy from North Dakota State, man, this Christian Watson, he really impressed me. Let's go back and look at his stuff. And if you go back and look at it, you're like, wow, I know. Why do we not hear about this guy? This guy's incredible. And you look at years worth of film. Okay, then you go. I got it. Otherwise, I. I just this whole thing about they've really gained traction in the last two weeks. Who? What have they done besides run around in their underwear on a pro day? That's my point. That's all. That's my point. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Hit us up. Uh, Mark says, "What happens if Tiger Woods is in contention on Sunday? What does that do for the ratings?" Mark, first of all, do you really need to ask that question? I. I it, they would be through the roof. I I don't even know where to put it. Um, hey Ben, can you do me a favor, real quick? Google for me the highest rated Masters, and let me know what it is if it if it comes up at all. I can only imagine that if Tiger Woods is in it on Sunday, and I'm talking like down to the wire, through seventeen, going into eighteen. I can only imagine that that would then be coming back from injury and that horrific car crash, that that would be the highest rated Masters ever. Do you have the numbers by any chance, Ben? Yeah, from what I can see, the largest was 2010. Got a 10.7. Okay. It's kind of the numbers seem to be all over the place. Oh, 2001 got a 13.3. 97, Tigers' first one got a 14.1. So those all outpaced 2019, actually. That could have been because 2019 was earlier in the day. But it looks like 1997 from what I can see. Okay. So 1997. 
the largest rated masters ever. Tigers, Tiger Woods. Didn't he beat Tom? Was it Tom Kite? I think that year. And then you had mentioned 2001, 2010. 2010, that was Phil Mickelson, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. I'm just pulling it up. Yeah, Phil Mickelson, because I remember that was a big one. Lefty's return. Yeah, 2019 was a lot lower because they had to start so early. Yeah. So there you go. We'll see what happens. We'll get more into this tomorrow. Good stuff today. A potpourri of stuff, but we conquered it all, and in fine fashion. We'll be back at it 20 hours away. You can always listen to it on the podcast, Spotify, Apple iTunes, and Google Podcasts, where the podcasts are available. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. Go to YouTube.com slash Bill Michaels Show. Time for us to get out of here. Have a go. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.